0: Welcome in, it's not your fault. <laughs> if you have not seen this movie, you probably shouldn't be here. But with that said, let's review Goodwill Hunting. Hey, spoilers guy. I may drop an F-bomb or two in this episode, just out of direct influence of Bostonians. I attribute this film heavily in educating me and preparing me for film school. I watched this about a year prior to film school and this movie showed me that writing a script and producing it is possible even just as a, a regular Joe wanted to do it. There are so many other ways to articulate that better. To better articulate that. Writing a role for a famous Hollywood comedian and actor, you all should know who I'm talking about, and actually casting him and winning him the Oscar, all of that is possible, proven by this movie. Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, wrote this film in college. I'm sure that it spanned more than just their college years. It was a long writing process. Gus Van Sant was the director that they decided on after a revolving door of directors basically looking in on the project and going, eh, I do believe Robin Williams was in mind since the early stages of writing the script for this role of Sean. If that's true, let's just pretend it is. They chased him for a role that he didn't ideally fit, almost like Michael Keaton getting cast for Batman and everybody doubts him, they're like, what, that guy? And then he aces the role, owns it, make it, make it, What? Makes it his, and becomes iconic and legendary in that role. Matt Damon is Will, Ben Affleck is Chucky, Robin Williams is Sean, Minnie Driver is Skyler, Stellar Skarsgård is Lambeau. All first names, just first names. Except for Will Hunting, <laughs> that was probably So unattractive. Some of the other films that Gus Van Sant has done, just to give you a reference, Drugstore Cowboy, My Own Private Idaho, The Psycho Remake with Vince Vaughn, and Milk. We open on the slowest title sequence I've ever seen. Harvey Weinstein's name appears on on the screen for a couple seconds, so that's a bummer. Unfortunately, he had a hand in opening the door to Will and Ben. I don't wanna know what else that might mean. Will is sitting in an empty rather house. One more time, one more time. Will is sitting in a rather empty house. Chuck arrives, knocks on the door, he's there to pick him up. This comes back later. Cut to Professor Lambeau speaking at his school. Naturally, we assume that this is where they're headed. No. One of them is, but he's not the janitor. He's not in the upper echelon. He's not upper class enough to attend this school. I wrote, no, never, dot, 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 which becomes extremely ironic given the nature of Will's expansive and mathematical mind. Will sees an equation in the hallway on the board, left by Lambeau. So Will takes the equation home with him, and he does it at home on his mirror. One night, he's cleaning the halls of the school, and he actually writes the equation on the blackboard. African-American board. It's over the weekend, too, so on Saturday, they're having some school event. I don't know exactly what's happening, but Lambeau is sipping on some wine and hitting on a student of his. But the student just wants to know who saw the equation. And Lambeau's like, Pardon? He books it to the board. He can't believe somebody solved it this quickly, and the anonymity of it is exciting and confusing. It's a mystery because the solution is exactly correct. Will and Chuck are at a weekend baseball game with two of their boys, their crew, Casey Affleck and Cole Hauser play perfect Bostonians, and they're playing to their direct class. They make it a point to check out the chick's ass. Belch in public. Their language is coarse. The world that they build through the script and Gus Van Sant's vision, it's believable the entire time. And I'm sure it's true to reality. I'm not from Boston. I I can't speak on that really at all. But I've seen The Wire, and I I see parallels. Rabbit trail, I have an uncle who, when he was in high school, he witnessed a bully put out a cigarette on a kid with Down syndrome. So one day he's in the passenger seat and he tells his mom to stop the car because he sees that bully on the side of the road, walking with his friends. Gets out of the car, beats the living snot out of the bully in front of his friends and the family that's in the car, and he gets back in the car and he's like, okay, like it was nothing. That's similar to what Will and his crew do, but they witness a gang of guys picking on an innocent woman on the sidewalk. They pull to the side, get out of the car, and start an all-out brawl. The police get there, kinda quickly, and they arrest Will specifically, because he's the main character. Monday arrives, and the professor is expecting to unmask this mysterious mathematician he has in his class. He even invites members of the school staff and board to come see. But nobody's there, because Will isn't a student. Lambeau writes another equation on the board to kind of bait this person. The second one is even more complicated, and Will solves it. But he slips up because it's during the day. And Lambeau, like, follows him out of the building, like, Who are you? What are you doing? I don't think he's necessarily mad. He's frustrated with curiosity. Like, who are you? You might be really good at this. He strangely discovered this genius, possibly. I guess nothing came of Will's arrest yet, because that night he's at his favorite bar that he goes to and frequents with his buddies. They all know the bouncer by name. He just lets them all in like hey, with him. Chucky takes it upon himself to introduce himself and Will to a couple new ladies in the bar. Skyler is one of these ladies. They're they're new students in the city. Chucky's a sweet talker. He can get away with lying to pretty women, especially, you know, super easily. But he's approached by a know-it-all who starts flexing his intellectual capabilities to expose the lie that Chucky just told to the two ladies about attending their same school. Will steps in, however, and levels up the intellectual talk. He shuts it down, actually, and embarrasses the smart alec. Will verbally traps this guy by calling him out when he starts pawning off somebody's own quote as his own thoughts. Will knows the book and page number that he's quoting from. He's showing him that if it's a game of wits, the dude's already lost. I guarantee you that Will also has a physical advantage over this guy too. In an attempt to clap back at Will, this dude pulls the class card, says he'll have a degree, and Will's gonna be making his family fries, or serving his family fries. Will offers to step outside and finish the conversation. And the guy's like, nope, we're good, we're fine. This ends that. Skylar approaches Will 45 minutes after that going, I've been waiting for you to come talk to me and now I'm tired and I have to go to my dorm. She loves what she just saw and even gives him her number, even though she's on her way out. For Will to have done that, shut down the debate and protect his friend like right in front of her and never even address her, that's usually what that's for is to impress her, turn and talk to her. But he doesn't do that, that's interesting. He waits for her to come to him. Will finds the guy with the bar slaps his hand with the written phone number on the window. Yeah, do you like apples? Yeah. How do you like them apples? Freakin' iconic, guys, I'll say. Lambeau is still trying to solve this mystery. Who is this genius? He gets a lead and follows it to a maintenance shop or some warehouse, it is a maintenance shop, where the manager is giving Will's card. Not just any card, it also provides information to his parole officer shifting the professor's perspective a little bit, because he doesn't quite know how to take that Uh, uh, uh. But I think the troubled genius is not a new concept to him, and it really shouldn't be. Will hadn't shown up to work that day. Because of his court date, Lambeau shows up there, so he must have got the information from the parole officer. He kind of sneaks in the back, sits down, and Will is representing himself, stating the law books verbatim, showing the professor that he clearly knows more than just math. The judge reads off his rap sheet in front of the court. It's loaded with assault, mayhem, theft, resisting, impersonating an officer. He grew up in foster homes, suffered from extreme physical abuse. In those places, his bail is denied and a bond set at $50,000 and he goes to jail for a little bit. His one phone call, Skyler. Luckily, she's studying law at school. (laughs) Convenient. She may be able to help. Help comes quicker than will expected, though in the form of Professor Lambeau, who sits down with him in an interrogation room and explains that he's spoken to the judge, who has agreed to release Will under Lambeau's supervision. Right? Yeah, supervision. There are two conditions. One being that he assists in this extremely complicated math done at such a high level that it challenges the professor, but hardly challenges Will. The second condition is that he attends therapy sessions regularly. It starts out well on the math side, but not at all on the therapy front. Will is gifted and cursed to extreme lengths. He does his research and even reads books published by the therapist that he's visiting beforehand. So now he's informed on who he's speaking to. He uses this to an advantage and just messes with the therapist, finding their weak spots and exploiting them for his own entertainment. He doesn't want to do this. So he pushes the therapist overboard and makes them cancel the session. He makes it their decision to shut it down. (laughs) Total (laughs) manipulation there. He takes none of it seriously. Sky rockets in flight. Lambeau is frustrated. They can't make progress forward if both conditions aren't being met satisfactorily. He has an idea though. He knows a brilliant therapist. Just so happens they used to be roommates. It's Sean. They have a long and complex history. Sean is caught off guard by the sight of Lambeau in his classroom all of a sudden. He makes an introduction to the class. This is Jerry Lambeau, mathematical genius, Pulitzer Prize winner, whatever. He states all of his highest accolades. We come to find out some or at least one of these accolades should have gone to Sean, which is where a lot of the bitterness comes from between Sean and Lambeau. The professor's there to convince Sean to see Will hunting. You staying with me with the names? He says his intelligence is unparalleled, but he's a bit defensive. What solidifies it for Sean is that Will and he, Will and him, are from the same neighborhood. And Sean likes the sound of a genius from Southie, being South Boston. So he agrees to meet him. In the next scene, Will descends the stairs, just before meeting Sean. Lambeau's there too and he says, before Will enters the room, it's like a poker game with him. You can't show him what you've got. Don't show him your cards. I would have described it like a chess game, but I think poker is a better-suiting term for it. Will enters, has a seat, owns the room, naturally. Sean takes the power back a little bit by asking Lambeau and his assistant to leave the room. They do, they oblige. It's now just Will and Sean. Things are cordial for Two seconds, maybe. Will asks Sean about all the books on his shelf, whether or not he's read them. Sean says, of course, he had to. Will stands up and he approaches the shelf to take a closer glance at the book. He criticizes the book and the class of people who read those books. He likes to sig. Sean comments on it. The conversation turns to health. You bench, I do. What do you bench? 285, what do you bench? I always found it funny that Will doesn't respond right there. 285 seems like a lot for Sean, and I don't know I don't bench. Will either knows that Sean is lying to him, like just messing with him, or he's actually impressed by the number. He sits back down for that health part. He stands back up and looks at a painting. He walks over to it. He's just all over this room. He's trying to come out on top with each topic that they're just rolling over onto. He can't find a weak point yet until he points out that painting. He starts off by making comparisons About the painting, which is a man in a rowboat lost at sea, he makes comparisons to Sean being that person. Will says something about marrying the wrong woman. Sean reacts strongly. Bingo. Found a weak point. Oh my gosh. And after the 10 years now, it's been 10 years since I first saw this movie. I've seen it several times since then. I never quite got. When Will finds that weak point, Sean's back there, painting's right here. Will takes a puff of his cigarette and the lighting on him is almost like the angel singing or a light bulb moment, but done visually instead of with any sound. He even goes, ah, because he's figured it out. Ah. He turns back around and he goes, that's it then. You married the wrong woman. But I think those are two unrelated sentences. That's it then is like, ah, I found your weak spot, as opposed to, oh, you married the wrong woman. Because that part is actually not correct. We come to find out that Sean's whole life was this woman, was his wife. Emphasis on was. Sean snaps at him, stiff neck arms and chokes him. will expect it to get a rise out of him, but he doesn't realize that Sean's anger is not coming from a place of regret. It's coming from a place of grief. He didn't marry the wrong woman, he married the very right woman and that she's died recently. Will is unsympathetic to Sean's situation because he thinks his judgments are all correct. Narcissists or people with those tendencies only respond to authority. Sean might be a psychological challenge somewhat to Will, but not really. He does, however, prove to be a physical one. Bah! I will end you! I believe in his eyes that his internal rage could get him to a place of doing serious damage to Will. There's fear in Will's eyes because Sean just came at him like a lion and he he physically overpowered him for those few seconds, which is all Will really needed in order to earn some of that respect in his heart for the guy and begin to soften towards him at all. The first meeting does not go well. Although everything that he said about him being lost at sea and the guy in the painting, that stuff was true. And it really hits Sean in a way that he didn't see coming. It was like Will was Sean's therapist. He flipped the switch for a little bit and gave him some insight that he didn't expect. Because we see Sean's home life. Dishes are piled up, Sean is just sitting there sipping alcohol, lost in thought. Considering what Will said and taking it to heart, And we see later, in their second meeting, we see the conclusions that he's made based off of what what Will was saying to him. Then the film diverts to Skylar and Will, who have their first date, and it's a few really cute scenes together. They even share a kiss and have clear-cut chemistry at the end there. At the end there? What? What? They like one another. They do. Now it's Thursday. It's time for Sean and Will to meet again. But instead of their hour being in the office, Sean takes him to a park. And he sits there as the therapist and lays out this monologue that is both self-reporting of him to do and convicting for Will to hear. It serves as being both informational and Sean being vulnerable and honest in a way that therapists are really not supposed to do inside the practice. But he does it anyway for the sake of improving his connection to Will and his plan works. But it takes a little bit. It leaves Will speechless, which is rare because he's used to having the last word. But this time, he can't get that last word. He's met his match. Sean's intelligence includes life experience. Being twice as old as Will, maybe more. You've never been out of Boston. Bast. That sentence alone says a lot about Will and it's reference later. Experience that mathematics or history knowledge probably can't solve. True love, true loss in his life. Sean flips the tables and deconstructs Will in the same way that Will deconstructed him just the other day. He says, "Your move, Chief." That sounds like a chess game to me. I think Sean it might be shifting it from a poker game into a chess game, or he's just playing chess while Will plays poker. Maybe that's it. Adding to Will's silence, he sits in the next meeting after that, which is in the office, in total silence. He wait. He counts the seconds of the hour till it's over, and <laughs> Sean's like, "It was actually really impressive." <laughs> But technically, the therapist cannot talk first, which he, he already kind of broke the rule in the second meeting. So the third meeting, he can't. Will does this in the following session too, until finally he perks up and starts talking when Sean is like, not enough. The conversation steers towards romance, and Will mentions Skylar as being different from the other woman that he's, women that he's dated. This is where Sean shares a funny story, and I I love that it was improvised by Robin Williams entirely. It's a genuine laugh from Matt Damon and the camera guy, because the, you know, the camera's shaking. It's a great moment in the film, and it's amazing, it's an amazing few moments to catch on camera at all. And it serves as being really bonding for them inside the story, too. This ends up being an important session for them. Things are progressing there. Yes, things are also progressing in mathematics, as well as his relationship to Skylar. He didn't call her after their first date and that was a problem for her. But he visits her dorm room and tries to make it up to her. He even solves her homework for her in less than an hour and he just wants to take her out and she's like I actually have to learn the material. So they go dog racing and while they're there Will lies to her. He says he has 12 big brothers and he lists 12 names. She's like do it again and he lists them all again. I don't totally get why he lies to her although I do kind of get it because He doesn't want her to know that he's an orphan, so he's overcompensating in a- in a big way. The next session for Will and Sean is even better. It's almost like a hangout. Sean has this whole story about how he met his first wife in this big baseball game, iconic, legendary sporting event that occurred, and he missed it on purpose to have a drink with this beautiful woman that he was meeting for the first time. He just saw her across the room. Says a lot about the type of person that Sean is. Following that, Will and Skylar go out with the boys. She knows they're just his friends, they're not his brothers. Will is trying his best to keep that lie. Chucky almost ruins it at the end though of the scene because he refers to Will's apartment as, or uh, his house as a one bedroom, a dungeon or something like that. When Will said that he lived with three of his brothers and you can't do that in a one bedroom. Ended up only being a close call though. Will's just delaying the inevitable. She's gonna find out. <laughs> Lambeau and Sean sit down for a drink. It's time to catch up and discuss Will hunting. Tons of job offers have come in for Will, but Sean doesn't think Will's ready for any of that kind of pressure. They're only four sessions in. Will could never respond to authority appropriately and keep a job. There's direction of a gift or there's manipulation of a gift. They compare Einstein to the Unabomber. Both were technically geniuses. One promoted progress for the human race, and the other promoted a reset for mankind through violence. Sean drives home the point of manipulating their intelligence versus directing their intelligence. Big difference. Lambeau's like, well, he's already got a job interview. He's in a job interview right now that I set him up with, so there. It cuts to Chucky in that job interview in a tight-fitting suit pretending to be Will. He just like swindles the interviewers out of like 73 bucks out of their wallets or something like that because the interview is, is totally bogus. Sean's right, Will isn't ready. He doesn't even have interest in taking one of those jobs. Skylar feels really inferior to Will's intellect. She struggles with her homework that she needs to do, she needs to learn for it to have benefit at all, but it's so hard. Will just gets it. He's smart. Nobody around him is equal of any sort. It must be so boring to him. They're drawn to one another though. And she even asks him to move to California with her. He's never been out of Boston. This is a problem for him. It causes them to fight and then break up. He foresees all the issues that could arise from moving there with her. His reasons for staying aren't very solid. She sees through them. She asks him what he's so scared of, which sets him off and and quickly upsets him. She struck a nerve, for sure. And Will starts drawing comparisons between their class status. She's upper class, he's lower class. She confronts him about that and his supposed 12 brothers. So he comes clean about everything, but he does it in an explosive way, shouting his words. He even said that he had cigarettes put out on him when he was little, which relates to the story that I told about my uncle. And I completely forgot that Will said that in the scene. He breaks her heart out of a self-protection that he's had to use his entire life. That was not the best way or time to have that conversation. So much about it could have been avoided or improved in a few simple ways. That relationship has now broken. Things come to a head with Lambeau and Will next. Will is so tired of explaining what feels like basic math to him to his own professor who is struggling to even comprehend it because of how complex it really is. It's not easy to anyone, really, it's except for Will. He's so frustrated that there's nobody that can see what he sees. He feels like he has to constantly condescend and convince people that the math is right and why it's right. It's an open wound for the professor though because of how inferior he already feels to Will. When Will sets the equation on fire, just by the way that Lambeau runs to it, and puts out the fire, you know that he could never replicate or recreate this. The written equation. It belongs in a museum, almost. It drives him nuts to see Will just throw his gift away and just go drinking at bars every night. Will goes to a job interview in person this time. This was pre-Zoom, guys. This interview is for the NSA. And the guy says to him, the question isn't whether or not you should work for the NSA. It's why shouldn't you work for the NSA? And Will goes, okay. Well, let me try to respond. And he goes on this whole monologue that's probably longer than a page, laying out this whole hypothetical scenario full of reasons of why he wouldn't want to work for them. This smash cuts to Sean's office where Phil... Phil's not a character. Will is finishing up his monologue. Sean responds to it by asking him who actively challenges him in the way that a partner does and should. What does Will want to do? What do you want out of life? Nobody's confronted him with this question yet. He says, I didn't ask for this intelligence. There's honor in bricklaying, building someone's home, fixing someone's car. Will lists his current jobs, but he leaves one out. Sean calls him on that one. He goes, out of all the places you could be janitor, you travel 40 minutes by train to be the janitor of the highest technical college possibly in the country. He knows that Will wants to use his gifts for good, or at all. But right as Sean starts to press that button, Will turns it into a joke. He deflects the point that Sean is making, and they get into an argument. Things have now come to a head with Skyler, Lambeau, and Sean. Sean straight asks him again, What do you want to do? And Will has no answer. This movie breaks the screenwriting rule of the character at least knowing what they want to do. (laughs) What are his motivations, or what does he actually want? What he does actually want, which is a normal life, isn't in his best interests, or in the best interests of the technical world, which comes secondary. His mathematical discoveries could be as big as Einstein's, possibly, potentially. That's so interesting. He wants a normal life, and everybody around him is saying, no, dude. They're all trying to convince him to want something better for himself that's not like most movies. The last real person in Will's life right now is Chucky. That's about it. Maybe it's by design. Chucky has some harsh words for Will too, in the way that's eye-opening to him. Will had never considered Chucky's point of view. This is a quote from the movie, it's a little vulgar. Chucky's like, if you're still working here in 20 years, watching Patriot games, working construction with me, I'll fucking kill you. Will's like, wait, what? And finally, what everybody has been saying to Will starts to break through his thick skull. He had to ruin three relationships to get to this fourth person, who is the longest standing person in Will's life. The other three of them are are brand new. He's just met these people. What Chucky says breaks through. And it's that all these other people are sick of watching Will flush his gift down the drain every day that he works one of these mediocre jobs, day in and day out. He's, he's technically depriving the world of this newfound knowledge by not pursuing a life of mathematics. You know what I meant there, mathematics. Chucky wants to show up to Will's house one day to pick him up and for Will not to be home No goodbye, he just left the city. And this sounds so strange to Will, I remember going, what are you talking about the first time that I watched it? But it makes sense. Chucky obviously has the same phone number. Will's- Will can reach him at any point from California. Lambeau is desperate to reel Will back in, but Sean argues against it. Their history gets dragged up, and Lambeau even admits that he has the medals, but Sean was always the smarter out of the two of them. Sean just made an active choice not to pursue that life, and pursue a life of love and helping others to see. Will walks in on the mid-argument, but I think it helps to see Sean arguing his case for him, to Lambeau. There's now something that, that Lambeau isn't getting that Sean and Will are trying to break through his thick skull. Will and Sean are able to reconcile because of this, and they even relate on certain ways that they were beat and abused as kids, each of them. Sean has to repeat, It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Relentlessly, over and over, until it breaks Will down, causing the ultimate breakthrough in Will's mind so far. He found a real solution to one of life's equations that he could just never answer. Why he's been alone his whole life. And his deep sob into Sean's shoulder has always resonated with me. I think it probably made me more emotional last night watching it than the f- than any other previous time that i've watched it as a 28 year old with more life experience since my previous viewings it's been a couple years since i've seen this <clears throat> but there's no real point i am making there huh will takes two job interviews he decides on one of them he has his last session with sean he's legally a free man now no more probation or anything so he chooses instead to move to California and pursue love similarly to Sean's big life decisions, too. He only really makes this decision, though, when his crew, his friends, they buy him a new vehicle. It's not new. They threw it together. But he has a car, and that solidifies, for him, freedom. Ultimate. He is truly now a free man. I still have hope that Will Hunting got involved in technology, mathematics, in California. I mean, Silicon Valley. He could have gone on to invent Facebook, Twitter, whatever, probably not, but... I just hope that he used his gift for good and didn't deprive the world of it, even though he went to California to pursue a life with this woman, and he's leaving Boston. I think that's a really important lesson for anybody. To hear, use your gifts, use your talents, pursue where you're naturally knowledgeable, and don't be discouraged by the millions of discouragements that you'll encounter along the way. That's my review of Goodwill Hunting. Anything else I have to say to it would probably just be from the IMDb's trivia page. Anyways, bye guys. Thanks for watching.